God is good. God is really, really, really good. Amen. Pastor Tim is with Fran tonight. Um, I got a call this afternoon from Barb. I got a call this morning from Pastor Tim, and um, and she was just fatigued and, and having some, some issues. So um, later this afternoon, they decided to take her in, um, just have everything checked. So um, I got a phone call this afternoon to request that I would stand in for Pastor Tim. So we this is the plan. This is the plan. First of all, we know that it's already done. The work is already done. Jesus already completed it. We're here tonight to use the Holy Spirit in us, the anointing in us, to stand and agree with God for Fran, for Bob, for anybody else that's here tonight that is in need of healing. So I have a teaching that I'm going to share that I believe is going to lead us into that position of being built up, edified, and ready to pray with holy fervor. And that's what we're going to do. So we're going to have a Holy Spirit prayer meeting tonight. Ready? Okay, I'm going to start with a couple of quick testimonies. Um, in, my, uh, in our healing meeting, we, we have a healing meeting on Wednesdays um, that I've been sharing. Uh, it's been awesome. I, I have a Bible study that God put on my heart to create a foundational study about healing, that people can receive foundational truth, foundational teaching in a very systematic way. So that if people come and they don't know about anything about Jesus the healer, they can learn. They can acquire the knowledge of the word. They can come to know the healer personally and be set free. Truth, the truth will set you free. Knowing the truth will set you free. So I have these two ladies that are in this group. And what has so excited me is that both of these people are very, very intelligent um, well-learned um, uh, people. One of them is um, a college professor and a researcher. She is exactly my age. She has lived her whole life in academia. And she grew up as a little kid in a denominational religion. But then when she got into the college arena, she started to reach out into religious studies. So she was literally looking and seeking God, any God, anywhere, and a lot of it was very cultish or very new agey. It wasn't Jesus. The Bible says there is only one way, only one way, and that is through Jesus. So she was diagnosed with stage four stomach cancer a year ago this month. Bad report. Given, uh, I believe six months, but I'm not exactly sure, but it was, she was given a very limited, um, prognosis and uh, a friend of a friend told her about our healing meeting and she gave her a copy of my book she read my book started to get knowledge started to receive she came to one of our we have um, some corporate healing meetings in our church um, that are outside of our Wednesday night meeting she came to one of those meetings and we she was hooked she was hooked she was captivated she's been coming ever since she is now one year post that diagnosis completely well, Amen. completely well. So th- those of you who, who have um, some experience with, with 
knowing God's truth. Know that sometimes when you know too much, it's, it's almost more difficult. When you are a, a very intelligent person who, who seeks and researches and figures everything out, like medical people, sometimes it's harder for them because they've got so much other knowledge. So that's one of them. I'm just so excited about her. The other one is another woman. He's a lawyer. She's an attorney. Once again, has been out there researching, proving her point, getting evidence, figuring out, you know, what the, how to, how to, um, back up her cases. She was diagnosed with, um, a, a reoccurrence of, I believe, I believe it was breast cancer was the original site, but the reoccurrence, she had, uh, cancer on her clavicle and she had a mass in her abdomen. She has not had any medical treatment. The doctors were basically looking at her, watching her, and this is what they said. They said, the treatment that you had, maybe it was lung cancer, because whatever cancer it was, there was only one treatment, and they couldn't do a different treatment. I don't know if that makes sense to you, Bob, or not. But they couldn't do anything else because um, that was the treatment, and she'd already had it, and being it recurred, there was nothing they could do other than clinical trials and stuff. And they were looking and watching and trying to figure out what to do. Well, in the meantime... A good friend brought her to our healing meeting, and um, she started to receive and and just be fed God's truth. It's been about two months, three months. She went back for another CAT scan. She hasn't had any treatment in the in the medical realm. She's had a whole lot of treatment from Jesus. the The mass on her clavicle has not changed at all, which was really good news. The mass in her abdomen has shrunk by. A great, it was, it was pretty good size and now it's just a little bitty, hardly anything. And the doctor looked at her and he said, what are you doing? What treatment? Cause it was, a, you know how they have different people do the tests and, and the person didn't know. And he says, what treatment are you under? <laughs> Jesus, let me tell you my treatment. Let me tell you. So Jesus heals today. Jesus heals today. People perish from lack of knowledge, but with knowledge, they're restored. Amen. Okay, so I got a phone call at 3 o'clock this afternoon, and I said, okay, Father God, Holy Spirit, it's up to you. So I have lots of teachings that I've done, needless to say. And I went to my teachings, and I started to pray, and I said, okay, Kent, Kent says, what did, what did you say, honey? I said, I'm talking to God. Just <laughs> don't pay any attention to me. And I said, where do you want, what do you want me to share? And this is the one that he, I believe he, he wants me to share. The title is The Anointing Destroys the Yoke. The Anointing Destroys the Yoke. Here's a definition for anointing. I love it. God on flesh doing things that flesh cannot do. Is that a good one? God doing those things only he can do and doing them through a flesh and blood earthly vessel. Only God can do it. He does it through us, through flesh and blood, earthly vessel. This scripture is from Isaiah, verse 27, from the King James Version. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. This scripture is written by the prophet Isaiah. This scripture was given. This prophecy was given by Isaiah. And the, the, it was looking forward in time by the Spirit to Jesus. 
It was looking forward to Jesus. Jesus, the one whom would destroy the yoke. The one whom the yoke would be destroyed because of the anointing. That word yoke is literally Satan's oppression. The yoke of Satan's oppression. We're going to be talking more about that later. The yoke of Satan's oppression. So this is a prophetic word about Jesus, the anointed one, who would break the yoke of the oppressor, the yoke of the of the of the uh, of Satan's oppression. Okay, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. Messiah is the Hebrew name that goes with Jesus. That that is often used for Jesus, and Christ is the Greek. They both have the exact same meaning. Christ. And Messiah both mean the anointing and the anointed. The anointed one and his anointing. The anointed one and the anointing that was on him and in him. So whenever we hear the name Jesus Christ, it is Jesus, the anointed, and the anointing upon him and within him. Jesus the Messiah. Jesus the anointed. And the anointing that is in him and upon him. The anointing is God's presence by the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 3. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to start in verse 21, Luke 3, 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus and a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. I'm going to move ahead now to chapter four, verse one. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. So Jesus, the Holy Spirit, came upon him. The very next event was he was filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. During this time, he was with God. He spent those 40 days in prayer, in fasting, with his Father, with the Holy Spirit upon him and within him. Verse 14. Then Jesus returned. This is after his 40 days in the wilderness. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, this is good. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led into the desert to spend time in his prayer and fasting time. And then he came out of that and he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, the same prophet that spoke that this man, Jesus, the anointed one, would come to break the yoke of the oppressor. 
he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has anointed me. We're talking about the anointing that breaks the yoke. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. To recover the recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Remember the yoke is the oppression of the devil. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of those who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The anointed one. The anointed one. That word anoint. That word anoint. It said that he has anointed me. That is the consecration and the furnishing with the necessary powers for the administration of the messianic office. So Jesus was anointed and furnished with the necessary powers of the Holy Spirit for the administration of his calling. He was the Messiah. The Messiah is the anointed and his anointing. It is also, that same word, anoint, is enduing Christians with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Enduing Christians. We're going to go there in a minute. Just hold that thought. Turn with me to Acts 10. Hey, Sherry, go ahead and sit down. Acts 10. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. There we go again. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. There's the Holy Spirit and the power again. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For the God was, for God was with him. That's Jesus's, that's what Jesus did. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. What did he do with it? He did good. And what was his good? Breaking the yoke. Breaking the yoke, healing all those who were in need, all those who were oppressed of the devil, healing, I'm sorry, sickness, need for healing, sickness is oppression of the devil and nothing else. He was anointed to do that. The word oppressed, the word oppressed is harsh control over one. It's to use one's power against one. The oppression of the devil. But here's some good news. The oppression of the enemy is illegal power if you're a Christian. It's unjust power if you're a Christian. Because as a Christian, we have authority and, and power over the yoke. Over the yoke of oppression. But if we don't know it, we succumb to the oppression. That's why knowledge is so very, very, very important. So the anointing destroys the yoke of Satan's oppression. The anointing destroys the yoke. The word yoke, that word yoke, the yoke, think with me for a minute, the yoke of the enemy's oppression, the yoke of the enemy's dominion or control, the the unjust, the power that, that he uses, is a symbol of slavery, of servanthood, of forced subjection, 
of a burden or a load or a bondage. That's what sickness is. That's what sin is. That's what lack is. That's what um, uh, um, depression, darkness, all that stuff. That's what all that is. That's quite a phone ring. (laughs) The last time I taught there was rain coming through. I thought, where's the rain? I thought it was rain at the beginning. So the yoke, the enemy's yoke is slavery, bondage, burden, burdensome, load, heaviness. But the anointing destroys that. The anointing destroys that. The word destroyed is absolutely ruined, absolutely broken off, absolutely gone, destroyed, no more. It's not just a little bit, you know. It's not like, you know, just chipping off a little bit. Destroyed destruction. I mean, there's nothing left of that oppression. Nothing left of the cancer. Nothing left of whatever it is that is oppressing us. Nothing, not anything. It's completely, completely corrupted beyond use. Okay, so we're talking about Jesus. There are two distinctions of Jesus' humanity that I want to share. Two distinctions. Jesus was born a man. He had two distinctions that distinguished him from other men, other women. First one was that he had no sin to separate him from his father. The second distinction is that he was completely dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit working through him. He was completely dependent on the anointing. Those are the two distinctions. So now, here comes the cool part. What about you? What about me? Jesus has provided the same anointing of the Holy Spirit for us in our earthly ministries that he had in his earthly ministry. The same Holy Spirit. He has provided the same anointing for us. Not a littler anointing. Not a littler Holy Spirit. The same anointing He has provided for us. That for our earthly ministry, as He did for Jesus and His earthly ministry. The same anointing. The word Christian. This is good. The word Christian has the word Christ in it. The word Christian means little Christ. Little anointed ones. Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. That's who we are, little Christ. My pastor at our church says we're like little Jesus with skin on. Little Christ. Christians. We have, and oh my gosh. We have the same distinctions in humanity as Jesus. Okay, listen to this. Nothing, Jesus was without sin, and nothing separated him from his Father. As believers, when we receive the sacrifice of Jesus, when we declare our belief in him, when we receive salvation, we are made righteous. Not because of what we did, not because of how good we are, because we're never going to be good enough, but because of him. He completely, completely paid the penalty for what we deserved. 
Because of what Jesus did, we are righteous. That means that there is absolutely no sin on our soul ever, 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 ever again. We are completely, completely reconciled to God. Completely separated from sin. Just like Jesus. Jesus had no sin in his life to separate him from his Father. We, as Christians, have no sin in us to separate us from our Father. We are not separate from Father God. He says, come boldly before my throne of grace. Come to me. Come to me. Come boldly before me. That's good news. The second thing, the second distinction of Jesus was that he was dependent on the Holy Spirit. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same Holy Spirit. Romans 8.11 says, The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and quickens my mortal body. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, Jesus had taken 39 stripes on his back. He had a crown of thorns on his head. He was completely abused and mutilated. He was nailed to a cross. He died. He suffocated. He had his side pierced. He was dead for three days. The power of the Holy Spirit resurrected him from the dead with all that stuff that went on to his physical body beyond our... We can't even begin to imagine. He wasn't even recognizable as a man. He was resurrected. That same resurrection power. The same Holy Spirit is in me and you. The same degree. The same immense anointing is in us. The same distinctions that distinguish Jesus are in us. We are in commission with Jesus now. Jesus is in heaven. He he gave us a great commission. The word commission means with his mission. We are working with him in his mission that he started on earth. We are now his hands and his feet and his mouth. We are now the anointing that goes out and breaks the yoke. That is our position as believers. First John chapter 2. I'm going to show you this in the, in the scripture. First John, at the back of your Bible. Chapter 2. Verse 20. says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Mm. You have an anointing. And you know all things. I'm going to go to verse 26. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. People are going to say, you're just a puny old nothing. God is God. You're just nothing. That's not what God says. That's not what God says. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. The word abides means dwells permanently. And you do not need that anyone teach you. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit to reveal us, to pray through us, to lay hands through us. We can't do it on our own. But with the anointing, we can. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie 
And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And when I was studying this out, it is believed that the original scripture actually said, you will abide in it. The anointing. The anointing. The last words in the scripture say, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. The actual original language says you will abide in it. Now, when it says him, it's Jesus, and Jesus is the anointing and the anointed one. So you are abiding in the anointing. But the actual word in the original translation was it. You are abiding in it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the anointing that you've given us. Nothing about us. It's everything about you. Philippians 4, 13. Mm. I can do all Things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. What does Christ mean? The anointed and his anointing. I can do all things through Christ, the anointed one and his anointing that strengthens me. That's where the strength comes from. That's where the ability comes from. It's through Christ. It's through his anointing. Matthew 10. Matthew 10. This is the scripture. It's in two different books of the Bible. It's in Matthew and in Luke. But this is where the, the 12 apostles are sent. Are sent. They are, they are um, given authority and power and they are sent. Verse 1 says, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. That's that's the yoke, right? The yoke of oppression. Over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And now I'm going to go to verse 7. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. We couldn't do that without the anointing. We couldn't do that without the Holy Spirit. So when we go out, we're going to be doing it in a minute. We're going to be using that anointing and we're going to pray for Fran. We're going to pray for all those in need. We can't do it on our own strength. But we are commissioned to do it. God says do it. He says, go out, go out, preach the word, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. The standard isn't us. The standard is the anointing that is in us. The standard is the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power, that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the anointing. That's how we heal the sick. He doesn't say pray for the sick. He says heal the sick. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Raise the things that are dead in your life. John 14. John 14. Okay. Do not, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus is talking about the authority he has isn't his own. It's through the anointing. 
He was fully man, just as fully man as you are, just as fully human as I am. The power that he had, the anointing that he had was from the Holy Spirit, from the Father. And then he says, if you don't believe me for what I say I am, believe the works. And then the very next word, the very next scripture says, most assuredly. That word most assuredly is the word amen. Amen. Amen means so be it. So be it. Amen. I say to you, this is like, when, when we put amen at the end of a prayer, it is like sealing the deal. It's saying, God, I agree with you. I believe with you. Well, Jesus says that before this word. He says, okay, guys, this, is, this, this deal is sealed, and this is the deal. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do. Because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. As I was reading these scriptures, there's a, there's a title between verse 11 and verse 12 in my Bible. It's like it's separated. But you know what? It isn't. I see in here where Jesus is talking about the anointing on him and how the works are evidence of the anointing. And we know that the works lead people to Jesus. We know that the works show people the wholeness of his, of his plan of salvation. And the very next verse he says, now, amen. Listen to this. So be it. The works that I do, guys, they're nothing compared to what you're going to do. The works that I do, you will do even greater works. The Holy Spirit, he knew, was going to be poured out on all mankind. All who would believe and receive him. The Holy Spirit's power is for all believers. If they choose to receive and activate that Holy Spirit power that is upon us and within us. And he says, the works that I do, you're going to do even greater. Jesus was only one human being. Yes, he was anointed, amazingly anointed. But so are we. And now there are hundreds and thousands and millions of Christians, little Christ, anointed ones, filled with his anointing, filled with his power. Matthew 11, this is the last scripture we're going to share and then we're going to pray. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus came to break the yoke of oppression. He came to break the yoke of the enemy. He came with the anointing upon him to break the yoke. In this scripture, he's talking about the yoke, Jesus' yoke. Jesus' yoke. He says, exchange it, guys. Exchange yokes. Get rid of the enemy. Get rid of the oppression. And receive my yoke. Receive my yoke. 
You're no longer under the enemy's oppression. You have a new yoke of righteousness through Christ and his anointing. The yokes of the animals, the yokes, the original um, meaning of that word yoke was when animals were yoked together to do work, to do uh, labor, to do work. The way that it worked was they would yoke together the stronger animal with the weaker animal. I want to read this so I make sure I get this right. The stronger, listen to this, the stronger would bear the heavy burden and lead the weaker and lead. Let me start again. The stronger would bear the heavy burden and lead. The weaker would carry the light burden and follow. The yoke helped the weak animal as it was especially made to do. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. Let me be your strength. We can do all things through Christ and his anointing that gives us strength. Let me be your strength. Yoke with me. Take my yoke upon you. Hook up with me and my anointing. And I will lead you and it will be easy. It will lighten your load. We try to carry it all on our own. That's not his best for us. The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing breaks the yoke. I'm going to read this last little thing and then we're going to pray. A Sunday school teacher once read the same scripture to her kids, six-year-olds. She read, his yoke is easy. And then she asked the little one, she said, what is a yoke? And a little boy answered, something we put on the neck and shoulders of animals. And the teacher probed, then what is the yoke God has to put, then what is the yoke God has put on our necks and shoulders? A small girl gently replied, it's his arms around our neck. It's his arms around our neck. Amen. We're going to pray. Would you put